All right, good morning. Welcome, everybody. You made it today. It was three degrees when I drove in here this morning. Three degrees. It's that stupid time of the year in Michigan, because I hate Michigan, by the way. First person to come here and say, Pastor, we want to fund your next church in Florida. It's already a yes and amen, just as we sang. You guys come to me, it's a done deal. But it's also that comical time of the year where like, we act like things surprise us about the cold in Michigan. You know, I was thinking about it like on the way in. You know, I was actually listening to my wife talk to my uh, mother-in-law this week. Uh, she was walking down an icy driveway, right, because it's Michigan. And, and she walked down and said, oh, be, be, be careful walking down that icy thing. It's slippery. As if, like, we forgot that ice is slippery. Oh, good thing you said that. <laughs> I didn't realize all this ice is slippery. Or, like, your soda blows up in the, in the garage. Because, you know, that's the only benefit of winter is uh, you can put your sodas out in the... And then they blow up and you come and look, the soda blew up. Can't believe it. And it's like, well, it would happen if you put it in your freezer and your house outside. It's a freezer outside, you know, like, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, like currently, that's where we live right now. It's like your house is literally placed inside the same thing as our freezer in the house. Like one day somebody was like, you know what we should do? We should build houses in places where it's literally like a freezer for four months of the year. It's a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's a horrible idea. So Lord, deliver us from this. Amen. 21 days, prayer and fasting. But excited you made it. Truly, I am proud of you. You've packed the house. Both services were full, and I want to welcome you online. Those of you that are watching as well, so glad that you're with us. I I think it's so great to see you taking uh, this 21 days of prayer and fasting so seriously. I get texts and emails and questions and things uh, about these 21 days, and I know God is going to show up in a really big way in your life, and He always does. And what I love about this 21 days of prayer and fasting is it really helps take the selfishness out of us. That's what fasting really does. You know, we have all of these distractions and hindrances and things that come into our life that that cloud us and mess us up. And fasting goes like, all right, all this stuff needs to get to the side because I'm going to seek God. And the word says that when we seek him, we'll find him. Can I get an amen? And we put him first because if we didn't seek him, if we weren't putting him first, then we would put ourselves first. And when we put ourselves first, that's not a very good human being. I mean, I'm even looking around a little bit and you start talking to some Christians and it gets on my nerves a little bit because we, we end up finding ourselves so in this self-pity, this self-sadness, this, this, this whole, well, it's a new year. Hope is better than last year. And the year before that, don't get me started. We all become these Eeyore Christians. If it's the Lord's will for me to be happy, then maybe I'll... And we forget that God's book, the Bible, is full of more promises for our life than anything else. God's book is a book of promises, not predictions. Not like, oh, if you hope well enough, if you wish well enough, these things might come true. No, if we do these things, then God promises us that there'll be fruit in our life. Can I get an amen? But some of our attitudes, if they were a song, would be like the saddest country song we ever heard. And I like country music, but, but it's like we just, you, you, you know, and if we're not careful, the body of Christ becomes this, this sad, walking dead zombie of like, well, we had potential, now my life's falling apart and decaying, and I'm sad. And we forget that God says that we're the head and not the tail, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Can I get an amen? And that's why I like seek in this, in this fasting time, in this putting God first, because it reminds us, like whatever the enemy is trying to put on us doesn't need to attach itself to us because we got promises. I believe whether you're 10 years old, 20 years old, 40, 60 years old, I believe that you can have your most victorious life you've ever had. 
This could be your best year you've ever had in God because God has so many promises for you. Amen. So that's what I believe is going to come out of this. And so we put together a few resources uh, for you. Maybe it's your first time with us this week and you say, oh man, I missed uh, the previous. We're in our last week of the fast. Can I get an amen? Thank God. <laughs> We're in the last week of it. And, uh, but we've put together some resources and, and maybe you haven't joined us yet, but you got seven days. Jump into the final seven days or, or maybe you choose the last three days, whatever it is. But we prepared a guide for you. If you have some questions about what prayer and fasting looks like, that guide's down the hallway past the coffee bar. We got an information booth. They can give you that guide for free. It tells you what it looks like to go into prayer and fasting. But then another thing we've done is we put together a Bible reading plan for this entire year. Uh, not only do we want to seek God at the beginning of the year, uh, but all throughout the year, we're going to seek him because there's a lot of misinformation out in the world today. But we know that God's word is absolute truth. Can I get an amen? amen? And so we're going to devote to, to reading the entire Bible in, in one year. And so you can find that on our church app and on the website. But what that will do is that'll get you connected to the Version Bible reading plan. And then along with it, the Bible project uh, is some supplemental videos that go along with it and just kind of give you some more teaching to what you just read. Uh, it's really inspirational. It's really encouraging. You'll get a lot out of it and uh, encourage you to make time to do that. But then also we're going to end the 21 days of prayer and fasting with a night of worship where we all come together with a desire to, to worship and seek God and praise his name and offer up thanksgiving. And uh, I believe that God's going to meet us in a really mighty way that night uh, at our night of worship. We'd ask that you register for that. If you could go in the app or on the website, let us know that you're coming. Also helps us prepare the kids spaces uh, for that night as well. But looking forward to having you with us. So before we jump in to today's sermon, I want to pray and uh, ask that the Lord speak to us in a new way. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. God, we don't want to just hear words. Uh, we just don't want to be inspired by conversation. But God, we want to come to know your truth as we look at your scripture. And we want to know it in a way that it makes us better, that we change. Lord, we ask that it even corrects us and con convicts us today. Because we want to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I got a really practical sermon for you. Uh, I want to go over a few things, uh, six areas of our life for us to evaluate. And uh, I want to say this off the front. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, pastor, you know, I like the really deep spiritual things. I like, you know, I like the moves of God, the big extended moments of worship. I like, I like the big kind of conference and altar call moments. And I love all that stuff too. I, I, we're really, uh, we pursue God that way. In fresh moves of God, we really like that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you need practical things that you can put in your life, that you can steward your life. Scripture tells us that, that God gave us this life to steward, and there's going to come a day where we have to give an account for that. And so it's one thing to have these uh, emotional and these spiritual, these, these moving moments with God, but then there also needs to come times in our life where we take this life that God's given us to steward, and we, we make arrangements, and we set structures, and we create platforms in our life to be able to live the way that God's called us to. Can I get amen? Amen. <laughs> And so you need both in church. And as a pastor, it's my job to make sure that we get both times of pursuing and going after God and the refreshing, but then also times of where as your pastor, I'm, I'm shepherding you. I'm being the shepherd. I'm saying, hey, we got to go this way and lean in this way and lean away from that. And um, a lot of people say, well, I'm a deep person. Well, you also have to be the practical person who lives it out. And uh, you see it in scripture, Jesus, many of his teachings he would get before the people and he would be teaching to the crowds and he would be telling them how to make adjustments in their practical life. He would get in front of them and he would say, hey, this is the way of God. Here's how you live it out in your everyday life. 
Here's how you function. So he would, he would talk about money, and he would talk about how you love your neighbor, and he would talk about how you have relationships with people in community. All of these things were practical ways to live. As a matter of fact, if you ever saw a conversation about the ways of God done wrong, it would be when the religious Pharisees would come in and get in these big debates about the deep hooey-wooey things. And those were the people who Jesus was saying, oh, you Pharisees are missing it. And I'm not against the deep things. We pursue the deep things. Again, I want to make that clear. But there's also come time where we say, hey, we got to steward this well. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to look at six areas of our life that we can make some adjustments in this 21 days of prayer and fasting where we can say, God, these areas, we want to evaluate these so that we can live in the fullness that you've called us to. Jesus said that I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That was more than just salvation. It was also living the way he called us to do here on earth. Can I get an amen? And so we got to always be evaluating. Uh, John Maxwell says this. He says, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is. Many people say, oh, you know, I, well, I went through that and I've gone through this and, and we went through this and we went through that. Okay. But unless you take the time to evaluate what it taught you and what it did for you and what it produced in you, then all you've done is just go, go through it. How many of you know somebody who they just, they just keep going through things and going through things and going through, making the same mistakes, the same mistakes? We see it with uh, Moses. You see people around the mountain, around the mountain. What, what didn't they do? They didn't take the time to evaluate their experience. We see in NFL football right now, you're going to hear a lot if you're watching the playoffs, this term called analytics. It's these really smart people who know how to measure data and analysis and all these things. And so what they do is they say the evaluated experience of this game you just played produced this. Here's the analytics of that. So old school football people would say, well, we played the game and we gave it our best and we did all our things. And then the evaluated one would say, well, but here's really what happened. Here's a trend that we're seeing. And so what we want to do as people, as Christians, is we don't just don't want to go from 2020 to 2021 into 2022. We want to see the way God has led us in all that, evaluate our experiences so that we can be all that God's called us to be. Can I get amen? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these six areas that we can evaluate. My counselor, Jess and I's counselor, she gave us this term uh, called redo. So anytime maybe you're in an argument or you have a disagreement, right in that moment, what you do is you say, hold on a second. I don't like what just happened right here. Can we do a redo? Let's try that again. And then you give the other person the opportunity to kind of retry that situation again. Because what you do, if you don't have this redo mentality in your marriage or in your relationships, what you do is something goes wrong. Oh, I don't like that that happened. And now I'm mad. Now I quit you and I'm leaving and I'm doing this. And we throw everything away. Instead of saying, no, I love you. I'm with you. We're in this together. Let's just try that differently. Are you with me? Too many Christians are doing the same thing. You feel God's called you to something. He's pulled you into something. You're walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden it goes bad, or something doesn't turn out the way you want to. You get upset. You go, oh, forget it. I'm over this. And you throw it all away, and you miss what God has for you instead of saying, hey, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. I'm going to reevaluate this experience, and I'm going to stick with this thing. I'm just going to make some adjustments. Am I making sense today? And that's what I want to do. I want to say, okay, we're leaving 2021. We're going to evaluate our experiences, but then we're going to do a redo in some areas, and we're going to stick to what God has called us to so that we can be the finishers that God called us to. Can I get amen? amen. Physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. Write that down. Physical experience or obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. Uh, I want to say this off the top. I really hope that this year uh, we become better note takers whether you got your phone or, or you, you bring a notepad and you bring it in, you begin to take notes. But they say uh, you're four times more likely to remember something if you write it down. Now, I, I feel very honored 
that you don't take notes on a Sunday, which means you must think my preaching is so good, you only have to hear it once and it'll change your life forever. However, statistically, and I also know my own preaching ability, you might want to start writing things down. And here's also why I think you should start writing things down. Because if you go back to those during the week, whether it be your lunch break or in your quiet time, and you open up some things that God said to you on Sunday, I promise you he's going to begin to speak more to you when you open those notes, even throughout the week. Amen? How many know that that's your experience? You say, yeah, that's what happens to me. I go back and look at my notes, and God adds more to it. So let's be note takers. Four times more likely to remember if we take the notes. And so uh, I wrote it down that way. Physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. I believe that when we put structures and things and goals in in our life, when we put these things in place, these physical things we put in our life, goals and structures and habits and routines, when we put these physical things in place, God will then bring spiritual breakthrough on top of them. You see, all throughout scripture, people had to do physical things and then spiritual breakthrough came. We saw where God said, hey, you got to throw down your staff. Now pick your staff back up. David was so now you got to go get these five smooth stones he had to go do something practical we also see in scripture that that many times they'd say go over to this land or go over to that person or go find this thing all these natural environment things they had to do obediently and then God brought spiritual breakthrough think about the walls of Jericho they keep circling and circling in this natural environment they keep doing all these things in the natural these structures these habits these routines and it brought spiritual breakthrough for them I wish we could just be the people who just wake up and say, oh, God, we love you so much. We believe that you're going to bring breakthrough. And then breakthrough is right there, everything we need. No, but God uses us walking in obedience. There's things we have to do in the natural. So this is going to be a very practical sermon for you. But just remember, when we do these practical things physically, God brings spiritual breakthrough on top of it. Can I get an amen? Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, all right, this is your life. And you're going to give an account for how you spent your days and what you did with it. And I hope you can't get to, you know, you can tell your spouse, oh, I got busy this week. You can tell them, oh, I got busy this week. You can't get up to heaven and stand before the Lord and go, you know, I was really busy with that life. I didn't accomplish what you called me to do. I didn't steward it very well because, you know, I just got busy. We're going to have to give an account. And so part of giving an account is making sure that we're stewarding it well. My mentor taught us this growing up. Uh, Jim Weidman is his name. He says this. He says, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Many people look back at the end of their year and they feel like, man, what a waste of a year. We didn't accomplish anything. I feel like we didn't make a difference in the kids. I feel like I didn't make a difference in my career. Well, did you aim for something? Did you have measurable goals? Did you pray and ask God what you were set to accomplish that year? And many of the times when people feel like they've accomplished nothing, it's because they've aimed at nothing. They haven't put anything in their life. Let's put some things in our life that we believe God is going to lead us into. I wrote it down like this. Most people I know who found success can show me the plan that got them there. I'll meet with somebody who's maybe built a great ministry or they've, they've grown a, a, a new church or a great church and, and you get to meet with them. And you think, wow, they must be so lucky. This thing must have just kind of popped overnight. No, but then when you meet with them, they begin to tell you, yeah, we started this and then we did this and then we built this and, and we had this plan and we trusted God this way. Are you with me today? And so there's going to be no overnight success. It's going to be us saying, okay, God, what's the plan that you've given me? The scripture says that uh, without vision, people perish. 
You cease to exist. You accomplish nothing if you don't have vision for your life. We've got to have vision and set this plan. One thing to remember when you're making a plan is they say that most people overshoot what you can do in one year, but you undershoot what you can do in five years. So as you're making your plan this year, like, okay, God, how do you want to use me? Pick some things that you can accomplish. Pick some things that you can make sure. Don't overshoot it this year. But then as you have a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, make sure you're filling those up because you bet you can do a lot more in five years than you think you can. The largest gap in the world, I'll get to our six, our six things here in a minute, just giving you some things to think on. They say the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. It's a huge gap between, yeah, we all know we need to work out more and eat better and, 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 and talk nicer about people and gossip. We all know these things. But then what we actually do, the largest gap in the world is in between. We need to, in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, say, God, help us close the gap on the things that we know we need to be doing. Can I get an amen? I also see that many people stop achieving their goals because they begin looking at somebody else's. You got to stay focused this year on what God's called you to. Someone might be going faster than you, or somebody might be going slower than you, or somebody might not be doing anything at all, and you're given all that you got. Stay focused on yours. I also wrote it down like this. Stress is not your problem. Capacity is. Oh, I'd be successful, but I just got so much stress in my life. The reason you have so much stress in your life is because you don't have enough margin. You're not able to get your rest, and you're not able to stay focused. There's some things that you need to say no to this year. Some of you need to practice that word no. If you do a lot more no when it comes to, anyway, (laughs) say no. Uh, And so capacity is another one. Here's an interesting one, too, that we need to consider. Your intentions don't determine your destination. Your actions do. Oh, but my heart was right. I hear that all the time. It's just, oh, our heart was right. And my heart, you know, God spoke to me. And my heart wanted to do this. My heart and intentions are good. And your heart is right. But if you don't put action steps to those things, you're not going to accomplish what God has for you. The scripture says it this way, that you reap, you have what you've sown. It's an action. Did you sow? Any farmer could tell you sowing seed is hard work. You got to till the ground. You got to do all these things. Sowing is not easy. And so so you got to be a people go out there and sow if you want to reap. I wrote it down like this and it's a little harsh, but you can't be everything you want to be. We teach everybody, you can be anything you want to be. You can be everything you want to be. You can't be everything you want to be. You can only be what you deserve to be. And how do you know what you deserve to be? What have you sown? Then that's what you deserve to reap. I know that's a harsh statement. You guys can be mad at me and that's fine. But, but I'm telling you the truth. You're only going to get what you've sown. You're only going to reap what you've put in the ground and partnered with God and trusted with God on. Uh, there is no secret sauce of magic when it comes to the kingdom of God. Again, I wish we could wake up every day and say, God, I'm here for the magic blessing. He'd be like, sow the seed. <laughs> Are you with me? 1 Corinthians 9.26 says this, So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is sitting, hitting something, not just the air. That's why the scripture says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him diligently. You're staying with it. You're committed to it. You're sticking with it. You're not just a little bit on Sunday and then a little bit here. No, we're committed. We're hitting something with focus. That's why Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who may run, that he may run who reads it. Get the vision, make it clear, write it down and stick to it. Have you ever built anything with terrible instructions? 
You bought something and the instructions come and they're horrible. Well, let me say it this way. Have you ever built anything by Ikea? <laughs> it's hard to run efficiently and build something when the instructions aren't clear. Hey, all right, we're going to knock this out. We're going to big Saturday. We're going to get all this stuff built. And then you get the instructions open. And you're like, this is confusing and terrible and annoying. And it's, and it's hard to be efficient because the instructions aren't clear. So Habakkuk is saying, make it clear so that you can run with efficiency. Some of you are so bogged down in life because you just haven't made things clear in your life. Your life plan is written by Ikea. And we've got to make it clear this year. Let's get clear. Jim Rohn says this, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Many of you have had great opportunities come into your life this year. Amazing opportunities that would advance you into what God has for you. But because you're so indecisive, because your life is so clouded and busy and distracted, you haven't been able to seize that opportunity because you're so indecisive, because you haven't made clear plans. Make clear plans this year and watch God move. Can I get an amen? The world would love to sell you shortcuts. Every commercial right now at the beginning of the year, it's like, you want to lose 100 pounds in 31 days? Buy this. Like Everything's a shortcut. But the reality in the kingdom of God is that, that there is no elevator. It, you got to take the stairs. The kingdom of God, the scripture says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Faithful in little, God will give you faithful over more. We have to continue to walk out what God has put in front of us. Can I get an amen? But Chronicles gives us this promise in 2 Chronicles 15, 7. It says, but as for you, be strong and don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing because there's a harvest that comes if you don't give up. It says, for your work will be rewarded. Keep working it. Keep working what God has put in your life. Keep working these structures and these plans and these goals and these visions. Why? Because God will be somebody who makes sure you're rewarded. So six categories for you that I want you to evaluate in these final seven days of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you to evaluate these categories and have a plan and set a structure and write a vision and make it plain in these six areas. Your first category is your family. You need to, I'm going to give you just some ideas as you go to God about what it would look like to evaluate these areas. But here's some things to consider when it comes to your family. One would be like, what does your family's prayer life look like? What does it look like to pray? What, what does it look like? Now, we're actually not very rigid when it comes to prayer in our house. We're, we're not like, okay, every time before dinner, every time before bed, every time at this time and this time. But our kids know this. Our kids know we pray first. Somebody gets sick, we, we pray. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, we better pray. Something else happens. Something's not going good. Something's not going right. Our kids will say, okay, we, we, let's pray. I would much rather have my kids say, and they, they say this to us, and I say, hey, Dad, will you pray with me? Hey, Ma, hey, you know, hey, Mom, will you come and pray with me? And, and, you know, sometimes, some of you guys know these tricks. Sometimes it's just so they can keep staying up a little bit later. They're, they're out there just praying the price. Dad says, pray the price. Let's keep praying. But, but you want to build this culture of we pray first. Praying is what we do. Now, it's fine if you set a, a, a pre-meal, nighttime. You set those rhythms. Whatever it is, that's, that's between you and God. But, but your prayer life need, needs to be something that you look at. Another one is quality time in family. Listen, your device, your iPhone or whatever it is, do you know that that's replaced about everything in your, in your life? It's replaced your, your calendar, your calculator. It's, it's your phone. It's, your, uh, it's the way you pay for things. It's your computer now. You, your phone has replaced everything. You cannot let your screen uh, also replace your quality time with your family. We're watching a movie, but you're really on the thing. Are you with me? You, you got to be careful about this quality time because your kids need you. You have so little time with your kids that you got to make it count. So you need to consider as a family, you guys need to talk about what quality time looks like. 
another one is household fairness. I think you need to have a conversation with your spouse or with your kids and everybody involved in your house, and you need to talk about what is fair. Can I give you, I'm going to give you a few pro tips today, but here's a pro tip. Do you know that you will never get in a fight about something you've already agreed upon? If you sit down at the beginning of the year and you agree, this is fair here and this is fair here and this is fair, it's never going to surprise you as a fight later because you've already agreed upon it. So you need to start having conversations about what you think is fair when it comes to things around the house. Some examples would be, hey, if you're the parents and you hope to have somewhat of a life, that means your kids can't be involved in absolutely everything where you're running them to everything and you have no nights to yourself. So you might need to say to some of the teenagers, hey, look, you guys can be involved in this many things, but these are some things that mom and dad are going to keep so that we actually have a life. Or on the flip side, you might be too social and too involved in work, and you're not letting your kids be involved in anything. And you need to let your kids get involved in some things. Amen. Another thing you need to have a conversation, let me just tell you, husbands and dads, if you work all day and you come home and you think you have the right to do nothing, you're already doing it wrong. If your wife has to do the cooking, the cleaning, the cleanup, the bath time, the shower time, to get the kids ready for school time, to get them into their bedtime. If they have to do everything just because you worked all day, you're doing it wrong. And let me just give you another pro tip. If you actually help them with some of those things, your wife might have a little bit more time in the night, and she might actually want to do something else that you might be interested in. <laughs> so help out a little around the house. It's probably going to be worth it is what I'm trying to say. But you need to have a conversation. <laughs> You need to have a conversation about what's fair. And listen, you'll never get into an argument about something you've already agreed upon. Now, wives, on the other hand, if your husband works all day and he comes home and he's just worked hard all day, you know what he doesn't want to come home to? You complaining about all the things that have to happen at home. He's willing to help you in it. He just doesn't want to be drill sergeant told about all the things that he's got to help you in. I was going to see if there's any daring men in here, and there isn't. You men are a lot smarter than I thought you are. Yeah, you're scared. Okay, it's all right. It's all right. We'll get to counseling part here in a minute. But, but you won't argue as much if you agree upon things. What are the things that we can agree upon, household fairness, that we can do together so that we can actually enjoy each other? Amen. And then write out what are the projects you want to get done this year? What are some things that you want to accomplish in your year? And if you set those structures, uh, I believe that God will help you accomplish them. I also think you need to plan fun things. I think you need to look at your year and say, hey, God, we want to have a quality year this year with my family. And so we, we need to plan maybe some places that you're going to go, some things that you're going to do, some intentional activities. You should plan your date nights. Well, that's not romantic. I want him to look. Bachelor's not real, you guys. Okay. <laughs> That just walk upon a field and there's a hot tub out there with champagne, producers set that up. That doesn't happen, you know. So plan your date nights. Set structures for those. You need to intentionally set these things. I, um, I hate uh, having a really messy photo album on my phone. Uh, I, I, anytime I get, like, stuck in traffic or on an airplane or something like that, I take the time to just delete, like, a bunch of screenshots and stuff I don't like in my thing. And it's amazing. Anytime I go through my photos... Uh, I'll look at like, like, oh, that was super fun. That was such a great day. I remember we did that. That was such a cool thing. And, and you know what's amazing about that is a lot of those super fun memories aren't actually at the places you might think they were. Like we go to Disney, we go camping, we go to like these really high, like, oh, these are really fun. This is going to be where all the fun happens. A lot of the fun happens in like a lot of the most normal times we're just hanging out. We, we go, I forget the school, but uh, just back over here, uh, 
I don't even know the road, but uh, the, the kids call it the farm park. They call it the farm park because like the playground has like these fake chickens or whatever. And uh, and so we go get food and 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 we we take the kids up there and and we just go play at the farm park. It's nothing fancy about that park at all. We the reason we go there most of the time is uh, is because nobody's there. You know, like we we don't have to deal with anybody else and. <laughs> <laughs> And you just play or whatever, you know. And, uh, and so I remember looking at my phone. It's like all this fun stuff we did. We did this crazy. It didn't cost us any money. It's not like some big crazy thing, Chuck E. Cheese, all this stuff. It's, and so you got to create opportunities where you get out and just do different things and enjoy your family. So family matters. Make sure that you schedule that. Point number two, you're not going to like this one, but it's in the Bible, so we're going to talk about it, is your health. We need to talk about your health. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? from who you have from God. And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Rick Warren says it this way. God created it. Jesus died for it. The spirit lives in it. We better take care of it. All of that was done on your behalf for this body, this temple that we have, that, that God has called us to steward well and to make a difference in our community. We need to take care of it. So what are some things that you need to do in your health to be a healthier person? Some of you know, a couple years ago, I weighed about 35 pounds more than what I weigh now. And people always say, oh, what did you do? What did you, know, what did you do? And honestly, one of the things that I changed that was really surprising for me was I used to stay up really late. I would stay up past midnight and uh, I started to go into bed a lot earlier. And what that did for me was I would stop making chips and cheese at 1230 at night while I'm watching Jimmy <laughs> Fallon eating 1600 calories at midnight before I go to sleep. But maybe for some of you, a simple little adjustment, like you just need more sleep. You just need to get a good rhythm of sleep. You need to go to bed. You need to cut out all the distractions that you're wasting your time at late night hours. And so cut all that stuff out and get maybe it's sleep for some of you. For some of you, there's these habits. There's these things that you're doing to your body. You're putting things in your body that have absolutely no benefit in your human body. Toxins and chemicals and things that you're continuing to put in your body that is only damaging the temple that God has given you. Can I get an amen? Your pace, just your schedule. You're keeping way unhealthy of a pace. The Ten Commandments talks about how your body needs a pace. You have to have a Sabbath, a day of rest where you slow down and unplug things if you want to steward your body well. So you need to consider that in your health. Supplements is another one. 20 years old, we don't need anything. If you want to feel better, you just have a Mountain Dew. That's what you do at 20. But now that we're all getting old and things hurt, you, you, you know, you got to start considering what your body needs. Maybe you got to get on vitamins or some other things that are going to help you steward your life well. Another one is counseling. Your emotional health is really important to God. You got to make sure that your, your thoughts are right. And the scripture says you take your thoughts captive. You need to make sure you're in control of the way that you think. Uh, a counselor says it like this to us. If you and your wife or you and your partner are the ones who have determined that you don't need counseling, then you need counseling. Hey do, hey, do you think we need counseling? No, I think we're good. Okay, we're good. Then you need counseling. Because we all have blind spots. We all have things that we don't know and we don't see. It happens to us all the time with our counselor. We, we have reoccurring meetings with our counselor. We'll go sit down with our counselor and she'll say, hey, how's everything going? And you'll say, oh, yeah, things are great. You know, we're having a great time. You think everything's good? Yeah, things good. She said, okay. And then she starts peeling away at things that we didn't even know was there. So for some of you, you've been dealing with a lot of heavy things, whether it be loss or, or a trauma from the past or maybe just a really hard year. All of us have had some pretty heavy emotional things that we've had to walk through. You should probably check your health out emotionally and go talk to somebody for a little bit. Can I get an amen? amen. 
well, it costs money. Oh, it costs money. Do you know how much money you spend on things, other things in the natural world? Let's spend some money on our emotional health to make sure we're healthy. Can I get an amen? Okay. Number three, it gets worse. That was, that was that. Number three is finances. Here's another area to evaluate. God has given us resources so that we can change the world. We don't think of it that way. God has literally said, like, look, I'm going to entrust you with riches so that when you steward them well, you can change the world. We, you, can, you can meet the needs of the hungry. You can take care of the widow and the orphan. and You can be a difference by, by, by being obedient to me. My kingdom can move through resources that God has given to us. we got to steward them well. Uh, Proverbs 28.20 says this, A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. All of us know this. Whenever you've chased money, Whenever you've chased more and gain and stuff and getting ahead and hustle, whenever you've chased that, you always get punished. It always turns out bad for you. Whenever you get so stuck on selfish and more and more and more, it always ends up to bite you. But when you're the person who says, I'm going to live generously and I'm going to meet the needs of people and I'm going to consider others, how many of you know you continue to get blessed on the other side of it? We need to consider what we're doing with our money. One of the ways, if God says we're called to steward our money, steward our resources, then how many of you know that you need to know your numbers? What's amazing to me is when I have people in financial crisis, they say, Pastor, I got to meet with you. We're in so much trouble. We're going to lose this and this is going to happen. And we go, I say, all right, come on up. Come on up. We'll meet. We'll get this figured out. Make sure you, you know, bring all your numbers, bring all your information, bring all your numbers. And they say, well, we don't have any numbers. We don't have any information. We, we, don't, we don't track any of that. And I said, what? God called you to steward your finances. Steward your numbers. You need to pay attention to your resources. This is what God told you to do. And it's, oh, we don't know. Well, no wonder you don't know what's going on with your finances because you're not paying any attention to it. What's amazing about our finances when we steward them is you would be surprised to see where your money goes. All of a sudden, you, you've put all your numbers in. You look at everything at the end of the month. You're like, oh, my gosh, we spent how much money on out to eat? And how many know prices have gone up out to eat, you know? Uh, I'm not stopping going out to eat. We're just changing how we do it a little bit. Now when we go to Culver's, Jess and I still get food, and then we go home and make the kids eat peanut butter. But (laughs) we can't afford them anymore, but I'm not stopping eating Culver's. But, but you look at, you look at your numbers and you're like, oh my goodness, like look at more money because inflation's real. And we actually got a, a a series coming up that I believe is going to help you uh, with some of this, but, but numbers are up. Inflation's up. It's a real thing. And it's in every single area. Have you seen your cable bill lately? Have you seen your TV? I mean, everything is crazy. And so you need to know your numbers. And then people say to me, and I say, oh my gosh, okay. And so I'll look at their numbers and I'll say, all right, we got to make, this is fixable. This is solvable. We can adjust this. And so I'll start cutting things out. I was like, all right, we're going to cut this and we'll cut this and we'll get rid of this. People, no, 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 no. No, you can't cut that. I need to keep that. I've been in that golf league for seven years in a row. I can't get rid of that golf membership. I'm like, well, you're about to lose your house. (laughs) Do do you want your house or your golf members? And so we have to filter everything versus want versus need. Your budget can't be everything you want. It needs to be what are your needs. And fun money and all that stuff belongs in there. But I'm saying you need to steward this year in 21 days of prayer and fasting. You need to look at your budget and you say, okay, Lord, what are the things that I need to do? And then another filter you put on it is do all of these numbers put you first, God? Or does it put vacation first? Does it put the next house first? Does it put, are you with me? 
And so this is an area that we need to go to God. And then you need to put fun in there. As I just mentioned, fun does matter. The scripture says you number your days and spend them accordingly. Well, if you're looking at your numbers, if you're stewarding your finances and your numbers well, then when fun things come up, you can be prepared for those. We got a 15-year anniversary coming up this year. Jess and I do. And so because I know that, we're able to put away money. And I have a really great monster truck show we're going to go to this year. for our anniversary. She's going to love it. I know I spoiled it, but you'll love it. I got other stuff planned. But people always say this, I wish I had money to go on an anniversary trip. Well, did you start planning five years ago? No, you didn't. You keep going to Wendy's for $48 a Happy Meal. (laughs) And so do you care about having a 15-year anniversary celebration? Then start planning it now. Know your numbers. Set your structures. Do your things and watch God bless it. Can I get amen? Another thing you can do that Jess does is she'll buy our Christmas gifts all throughout the year. As they come on sale or as there's good things, she'll get them and she'll put them away, which actually drives me crazy because all throughout the house, there's like these hidden boxes and and I'll like be getting them down. She's like, don't get those down. The kids are around. I'm like, well, what are they? Well, they're Christmas presents. Or after Christmas, I'll get a box down. I'll be like, what's this? And she'll be like, oh, those were the Christmas presents. (laughs) I'm like, oh, then you mean next year's now? Like you're really... But you can save money by, like, planning, set structures. You don't have to pay for all of Christmas in one month. Can I get an amen? Number four is your career. The scripture says this, Ecclesiastes 2.24, Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. God created you to enjoy your workplace. God created you to enjoy what you're doing with your life. Do you know that if we were to throw you into the Old Testament or New Testament or Bible times, they would think it's so unusual that you go, oh, I have my, my life, which is my home and my work, or my, my home life, my family life, but then my work life is a thing over there that I don't really care about. No, they believed that their territory, their region, what they worked on, all of it was their life. All of it was their assignment. All of what they were called to mattered to them. And so your workplace, that's your marketplace ministry. That's a sphere that God gave you. That's a region and a territory that God has put you in so that you can make a difference. Can I get an amen? Real quick story. I, my first job ever was at a bakery uh, at a grocery store in Hudsonville. And uh, I was a young kid, 16 years old. And they had just started moving the grocery store into like the digital world where inventory was done on like the scanner machine. And the sweet ladies who ran the bakery, the managers, They were all much older, and they had been in the bakery scene for years and years and years and years, and and they couldn't understand the technology part of it. And so they were really mean to me. It was like the Mean Girls movie, but they were like 70, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so they were so mean to me, and, and I, was, I was getting so frustrated. And so I had gone home one time to my dad, and I was like, Dad, this is annoying. I think I'm going to quit. I just, this isn't worth it for me. And, and, and uh, he said, well, you know what you need to do? You need to start doing your work as if you're doing it unto the Lord. And I was like, oh, good one, Dad. Okay, like I'm going to sweep these sprinkles on the ground unto the Lord. You know, like I'm going to clean up the cake frosting unto the Lord. Like, okay, good one, Dad. And so I did that, though. I went there, and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, this is unto you. This is this labor field that you've given me, and I'm going to do this unto you. And, uh, and so I continued to do that. And shortly thereafter, just a couple years later, they ended up getting rid and, and, and removing those managers. And the store director came down to me and offered me the position of manager of the department. I was the youngest Spartan store manager in store history. And uh, it's not because I'm super talented at those things. It's just because I believe that I was working as if I was working under the Lord. Can I get an amen? So consider that in your workplace. I believe that God will, if you're faithful in the little in these workplaces, that God will give you areas of promotion if you work unto him. 
Point number five, I'll go quick with these last couple because they kind of go together. Point number five is uh, community. I believe that you need to pay attention to how you're going to be involved in community, your church community, your neighborhood community. We're made for each other. You know, the scripture says that in Genesis, God looked down and saw that Adam was alone. And it's the first time in scripture that God said, hey, that's not good. Man's not meant to be alone. It's not good that we do this thing alone. We need each other in community. Hebrews says that in these last days, we need to not grow weary. We need to not get lazy in meeting together. It says even more so, do not give up the gathering together of the saints because we got to cheer each other on and encourage other on. Can I get an amen? I thought about it like this. I believe, and this is your pastor talking, so obviously I'm a pastor, so I have a little bit of a... uh, maybe wishful thinking in this, but I believe that church attendance, being in the house of God, is not something that you decide the week of. I think your commitment to church attendance is something that you decide at the beginning of the year. You say, okay, as a family, we're going to make a decision about how many times in a year we're going to go to church. There's 52 weeks in a year. And so what do you think is a proper number for your family to be in the house of God? Obviously, you have some vacations. you got a few things that are going to fall on there. But I don't think you should be having a conversation on Saturday. Eh, what do you think? Should we go to church? Well, I don't serve. Do you serve? No, I don't serve. Uh, uh, maybe we could go over and do this other thing. Well, maybe we could just watch online and then just go do this other thing. I wrote it down like this. If church, if you raise your kids and they see that church is optional for you, it will become unimportant to them when they're old. The scripture says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. If all they see is you making church optional, it will be unimportant for them when it comes time for them to make the decision. Jim Rohn says it like this. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. If you really want to be in the house of God, encouraging one another in community, cheering one another on, spurring each other on toward good works, if you really have the desire to do that, you'll find a way to be here as much as possible in a year. If you don't really care, then you'll find yourself good excuses to not be here on a Sunday. That's a good spot to say amen if you loved your pastor. (laughs) Point number six is your spiritual life. I'll close with this. Your spiritual life, you need to ask God the questions of how can I grow this year? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's always revealing to us. You don't ever just graduate and achieve and say, you know, I don't have to do more than I did last year because I've arrived. No, we're always growing in our revelation. It's the spirit of revelation, so that you may know him better. That's our desires to continually know him. So you need to ask the question and set the structures and evaluate your experiences in your prayer life, your worship, your Bible devotion, your serving, your evangelism. How are you reaching people this year? Maybe this is the year where God gives you boldness to be able to share your faith and reach out to people at the grocery store in your workplace and tell them of the goodness of God. How many know that this world is ripe? for people to know and discover freedom and truth. Amen? So let's be bold this year as we set these structures. Let's set it high. Mark Batterson says this, Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. There is nothing God loves more than keeping promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. Make sure your goals and your evaluations and your structures are for the impossible. 
ask, think, or imagine. God says, I want to do more than you can even imagine. Are you setting goals that are like, God, will you just help me get by? Or are you saying, God, I I want to see more than I can even imagine in my workplace? Are you with me? More than I can imagine in my family, my marriage, and my finances. More than I can even imagine. Most of us won't miss it because it's not possible. We miss it because we give up. Let's stick with it. Let's be faithful. We have a sign hangs in our house. It's by Pastor Bill Johnson. It says, God's expectation of you is to do the impossible. That's like, that's God's expectation. Not, not maybe lucky if you get miracle, if you stumble into like a, a perfect day and enough pixie dust, we'll get this perfect thing. No, no, no. The expectation is that we walk in the miraculous. How do I know that? Because Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he's telling his disciples, hey, it's better that I go to heaven and I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit who's going to give you power. And he says, and because you have this Holy Spirit who's going to be with you, you're going to do even greater things than me. Well, what did Jesus do? Healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blind eyes. He walked in the miraculous. Signs and wonders. And he says, you're going to be able to do this through the Holy Spirit that empowers you. So when we set goals and structures and plans and platforms, when we set this stuff, how do we set it? We set it way up here past the impossible because that's what God wants to do. And the benefit that you and I have is that we're living in the last days. Sometimes that feels like a ripoff, right? But we're living in the last days where God says it's his promise that in these last days he's going to empty himself, pour himself out. We're getting it all so that we can walk in these signs, wonders, and miraculous and see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen? And then the reminder as you're walking through all that God called you to do, don't let what you see make you forget what God said. Whatever he speaks to you in these 21 days, stick to it because there's going to become times where it doesn't look like what God said it was going to be. And you have to just remind yourself, no, God, you said it. And I know you're going to do it because God who started it is faithful to complete it. Can I get amen? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives. God, we don't want to just go through the motions and go through another year and just get by. We don't want same old, same old. God, we want all of you. God, we want to be a people who see you move on our, in our midst and among us and in our communities. And so, God, these areas, as we, have, as we evaluate them, God, I pray that you give us the eyes to see the adjustments that we need to make. Lord, we know when we do something physical for you, an obedient act in the natural, Lord, we know that you will bring your supernatural. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.